Welcome to Grace and Truth with Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a devotion that's meant to encourage you and challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Please subscribe to our podcast and check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Hi there, this is Pastor Sherman Burkhead, and this is Grace and Truth, a devotion that's meant to encourage you and challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through a time in the Word and through a time in prayer. It is now April the 14th, 2021. It is hard to believe that we are already past the first quarter of the year. Um, tomorrow would have been the, the regular tax deadline, um, but they have extended that until May. And, um, and, as I said last year, and I'm going to say it again this year, you want an instance of how this world around us has changed. For the second year in a row, they have extended the tax deadline. All right, They have extended the tax deadline. All the years before in history, like the government was dead set on the tax day was, you know, April 15th. April 15th was the day you had to have your taxes filed every single time. You had to have an, an individual e- extension. Hello, Samantha. Uh, good afternoon. I just want you to know that we're thinking about you and praying for you. We heard a little bit about what ha- what happened. Don't know all the details, but just so you know, we uh, we're praying for you. Um, but uh, but that being said, the tax deadline has been extended uh, last year and this year. If there is an indication that the world around us has changed in a radically a radical way, that is it. Um, this pandemic, uh, no matter what your view of it, um, no matter what you think is happening or how you know whether you know we did the the government did the right thing or didn't do the right thing, no matter what we think, and, and we can have different opinions about that. What we can agree on is that it has changed the world around us in a radical, radically different way. But I, I bring that. I mention that. Um, uh, good afternoon, uh, Rick. Uh, I bring all this to your attention, though. Uh, speaking of April the fourteenth is because April the 14th for me is actually a pretty special day for a number of reasons. And and it actually is a lead into why I'm grateful. As you know, we always talk about gratitude at the beginning of grace and truth because I think that we as Christians need to always be rem- reminding ourselves every single day. Hello, Christy. We need to remind ourselves every single day of all the reasons why we ought to be grateful to God. Because the fact of the matter is that even if we're, we weren't believers, God is still good to us. It is a nice day outside. We are alive and well. Our kids are alive and well. Um, the fact of the matter is we have food in the refrigerator. Um, there's still tires on our car. There's, um, we have the ability to go where we want to go. And we have, God has blessed us in so many ways beyond we can possibly recognize. And then in addition to all of that, right, then we as Christians are blessed to even an infinitely greater degree that Jesus Christ came in the world to live the life that we couldn't live and then died on the cross to pay a penalty that we couldn't pay. And that in exchange for our faith, when we put our faith in him, we are washed clean of our sins. We're given a new nature and we are are given an inheritance in heaven forever. Praise the Lord for that. And there are many, many more blessings like the adoption uh, into God's family. God is so good to us. And so gratitude is an important part of our life. And I will always and forever talk about gratitude. But today, um, April the 14th is a day that I'm mindful of some things I'm very grateful for. First of all, five years ago today, I had the honor and privilege of actually officiating uh, my oldest son's wedding um, uh, today, five years ago. And, and I and I say it's a blessing because of all the things I've been given a privilege to do, that ranks pretty high. 
not too many people get to say that they actually did or performed their their child's wedding and it was an honor and a privilege to do that uh my son married a lovely young lady and they're happy and doing great together and i praise the lord for them and pray for them every single day and i'm grateful to god for them and and i'm grateful to god that of all the experiences that i could put on the list of things that are one of my memories um that's one of them (laughs) that is a blessing from god that i was actually not just there present at their wedding but i was actually there actually officiating their wedding and and really uh being a part of helping them to take their vows before before god and i praise the lord for that what a wonderful wonderful blessing that is and then the second thing that i'm grateful to god for today is eight years ago i did a baptism for uh, a couple young men in our church um two young men that I've watched grow up since they were little bitty kids. They are now teenagers in high school um, and just incredible uh, young men. Uh, I've It's just been a privilege to watch them grow up. It's been a privilege to see them with all they've gone through with sports and um, and and watch them kind of just develop as young men and see them in their different ages grow in their heart for God. Um, and I'm privileged to say that they continue to be part of our, our youth group, that uh, they they are, are there faithfully almost every Sunday. Um, and the questions and the things that we talk about theologically um, help me to see that they truly have an understanding of who they are in Christ and, um, and that they're growing. And I praise the Lord for that. And, you know, and both of these young men know the gospel. And, you know, I you know, have the privilege of being able to look back and say, I was there to actually uh, baptize them and make them members of our church. Um, again, that's just a, just an amazing privilege, you know, that, uh, that I would get to be able to be a part of their lives that way. And, and, and I say all that is because here's the thing, uh, brothers and sisters, um, so often we look at people who are rich in wealth and we look to them and we think to ourselves, Oh, they must have a wonderful life, and I wish I was like them. And you know, if I could just have, if I could just have, if I could just have, and and I want you to understand, brothers and sisters. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is you know, we should work, and money does help, you know, solve some problems in our lives. But real wealth has nothing to do with our financial resources. Real wealth has to do with the people that we're surrounded with. And with the love of God that he has lavished upon us, the riches of his grace. God has lavished his grace upon us, grace upon grace upon grace. And I mention this and say this is one of the greatest treasures that God has given to us as people is the people in our lives and then the memories we get to make with them. The memories of, of, of our lives together. That is, for me, what true wealth is. Um, if I never, ever become a wealthy man financially, right, God has granted me more than I, I possibly deserve anyway. <laughs> but then on top of that, I have these kinds of memories of people who are super important to me that I've been able to be a part of their life that way and watch them grow and develop and just be able to be there in those moments. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. And I want you to know, and like in your own life, if you're a parent, just understand, right, you can always work overtime later, but you don't get more time with your kids, right? You have, you have now. And, and if you're a husband and wife, you know, the reality is, is there's going to be things to do for the rest of your life, but there's only so many days that you're going to have to spend with your, your spouse. 
There's only so many date nights you can have between now and the time you go home with the Lord. And I, my encouragement to you is that you take that time to be with the people that you love and make those memories and take advantage of those opportunities to be together. And it's the same thing when it comes down to worshiping with your church family. It's really easy to get kind of in a rhythm where you just kind of disconnected yourself from the body, right? But then the fact of the matter is, is like there are there are memories to be made together and there are ways that we can be in each other's life and speak to each other and be used by God in ways that will bless you in ways you can't even possibly imagine. All this to say that God is just so amazing and God is good. And my encouragement to you is today, right now, look around and realize you have opportunities to connect with other people and make a difference in their lives and love on them right where they are. And I promise you, right, you start becoming habitual and actually intentional about actually connecting with people and being in their lives, you won't regret it. And I promise you, God will bless that. So uh, that being said, um, I am grateful to God for that. And as always, I want to know what you're grateful to God for. Um, whether uh, you tell me here on Facebook or you can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com or you can call me at the office at 760-762-5149. I would love to hear from you. It is always encouraging to hear from you and, and, and to know what it is that God is actually making your heart grateful for. Uh, but that being said, um, today I want to turn you to Galatians. Um, Galatians chapter number one. Um, I'm going to come right back to the gospel. And, and here's the reason why is the gospel is the most important message that you're ever going to hear. It's the most important thing in your life if you're a Christian. And it's important that we just have our heads clear about it and we understand it. And the letter of the Galatians is one of the clearest explanations of the grace of God um, in the New Testament. The, the letter to the Galatians is really Paul, you know, at, its, at his finest, really just unpacking this truth that you were saved by grace through faith in Christ. And it's not of your works. It's not because of your religion. It's not because of your tradition. It is only by the grace of God can you be saved. And it's such an important letter. And my encouragement to you is read it and read every word of it and read it slowly and just take it in. But I'd like to unpack for you just a little section of it here, uh, if I may. Uh, so it's Galatians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 6, and we're going to read all the way down to uh, verse 10. So Galatians 1, uh, 6 through 10, and it reads this way. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are running to or turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, and now so I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to to please man. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And the reason why I, I bring you to this text right here is we live at a time in this mass media world where you're surrounded by information and lots of personalities and lots of people have lots of things to say about a lot of different things. But what I want to bring you back to is that there is one gospel, 
only one. Paul says it really, really, very clearly here. He says that some of you have turned away to another gospel, and then he says, but there is, but there is not another one. Right? There's not a, another true gospel. There are people that have a gospel that's a false gospel, but there's not another true gospel. And I'm going to take you back to what Jesus said before. I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So to be really clear and succinct that we just need to allow our hearts to just kind of settle in is that there is only one gospel, one good news, right? And that good news is this, is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, that we were all, every single one of us, born into sin, and by our nature, we're children of wrath and willfully in rebellion to God. We were doing what we wanted to do, sinful in our nature, sinful in our actions, sinful in our decisions, always bent on our own selfishness. And because of that, the wrath of God rightly was upon us, that God, his justice was, was stored up for us. And if we would die in that state and meet him and he would judge us, he would give us what we rightly deserve, which is an eternity in hell, period. That's the bad news. And none of us could fix it on our own. We can't, even if we realize we need to change, we can't change. We don't have the power within us to make ourselves better. It's not by our efforts or our ability to do good. We can't be good enough. We can't be sweet enough. You can't feed enough you know, homeless people. You can't rescue enough kittens. As I've said before, you can't love enough, be compassionate enough. You can't be caring enough. You can't be sincere enough. There's nothing you can do on your own to change your standing before God. But the good news is that God in his infinite grace and mercy decided to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Jesus Christ, God, fully God, came into the world and then took upon himself a human nature, a full human nature. And upon earth, he lived the life that we all ought to have lived. That's the life that we all should have lived. The perfect, righteous life in full obedience to God. Upholding the law. Christ did that for a law that we couldn't uphold. Fulfilling a covenant that we couldn't fulfill. Doing all the things for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Earning for us a righteous standing before God that we would need to have a relationship with him. But then... That's not all. He also then, willingly, of his own choice, went to the cross and then bore in his body the full weight of the wrath of God, the punishment that we rightly deserve for our sin. Jesus took upon our sin upon himself and then bore that and died in our place. And then three days later was resurrected, proving that his work was finished and the payment was was received and that sin and death had been conquered and that all the benefits of salvation are ours all of them adoption justification sanctification glorification mm -hmm. an eternity in heaven all the benefits of salvation are ours how by repentance and faith we turn away from our old life and self-righteousness and put our faith in god and in christ and christ alone that is the gospel and there is no other gospel there is no other gospel, right? Let me say that again. There is no other gospel. Paul says there is no other gospel. And I think we need to stand on that as Christians. And that's the message we need to have as we move forward is that there is no other gospel, right? There are not multiple ways to God. There are not multiple ways to get to heaven. Right? There's not different programs for different religions. There's only one way. 
God is holy, righteous, and just. He is infinite. He is, uh, he is omniscient. He is self-existing. He is unchangeable. That God created all things, including us. And he created us to have a relationship with him, but our sin separated us. And then God himself came in with a rescue, on his own rescue mission to save us. And the only way to be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's it. There is no other gospel. And I say that because there are other people preaching different gospels, even in our own, our, our state, and even in our own community. If somebody says that you have to believe in gospel and something else, then that's not the gospel. If you have to believe in God and then you have to go out and, and knock on people's doors, you know, then to be saved, then that's not the gospel. If you have to believe in Christ and and then but you also then have to do this and do that and then go to some, you know, some religious temple somewhere else to do these other things, that is not the gospel. The gospel is simply this. That Jesus Christ came in the world to do for you what you couldn't do. And you put your faith and trust in him and his finished work on the cross. And that is it. He died to pay for your sins and he lived to give you the righteousness you need so you can have a relationship with God. That's the gospel and that's it. And notice what Paul says here. And this is, I, mean, I love how emphatic he is here. Paul says this, and I want you to realize he repeats himself here because he's trying to make a clear point. He says, he says, this but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel contrary to the one we preach to you let him be accursed <laughs> paul says we if we the apostles if we the people who have saw christ alive we who we've been endowed with the spirit of god to even proclaim new revelation to you those apostles if we or angels were to preach you something else. He's saying, and what Paul is saying here really clearly to us is this, is it doesn't matter what a person's credentials are. They could be super high up in a church somewhere. They can even can have all kinds of degrees. They can be very charismatic in their approach. They can just even, they, they might even be able to do some magic tricks that look like miracles. But Paul is saying is that if, if, if we or angels, if anybody was to preach a different gospel than what we're preaching, then let them be, he says, a curse. Now, the word here, uh, a curse, is actually from the word, uh, in the Greek word, ananthema, which, which really is a very strong word. In fact, it's so strong, there are ways that we could phrase it. I won't phrase it here, right? But really, it's to be accursed or to be damned is what was the emphasis of Paul. And Paul is basically saying, if somebody's preaching you a different, a different gospel, then they're going to hell. That's what he's saying. And they rightfully are, are, are doing that. And again, I want you to realize that he's so emphatic about this. He repeats himself twice. He said, as we've said before, now I'll say it again. If anyone preach it, is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you've received, let him be accursed. If anybody preaches a gospel that's different. Right? So guess what? If somebody says to you, oh, you know, your Bible, you know, it was corrupt. And so you need another testimony and other testaments and that's where the real gospel is they have are preaching a false gospel if somebody says to you that you know if you need to put your faith and trust in jesus christ and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this and you need to start obeying all these things that's another gospel altogether right 
Or if somebody says to you, hey, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ so that way he will give you all the wealth that you ever wanted. And he'll make you healthy, wealthy, and happy because God's people need to be, need to be, are supposed to be blessed. That's another gospel. Paul says really, really clearly, there's only one gospel. And if, there, if somebody's preaching the false gospel, that they are, they are hellbound. And we need to reject that gospel completely. And, and notice what he says. For am, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? The truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, what we have to realize is that when we come into faith in Christ, our allegiance belongs to God first and only. And the fact of the matter is, is we don't want to, on purpose, be jerks towards people. We don't want to be critical of people unnecessarily. We don't want to be harsh in our tone. We absolutely want to be loving and gracious, but we always want to be truthful and tell and bear witness to the truth and understand that by bearing witness to the truth, even in love, we're going to be contrary at times to other people, but we're not seeking their approval. We're seeking the approval of God and God alone. That's his approval that we're after. He says here, he says, am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And this is the truth that we have to just come to be okay with. Is that being a servant of Christ means sometimes people are not going to receive very well the message that we have about the gospel. But our allegiance to, to him and him alone. And also the fact that because there is one true gospel, life and death hangs in the balance for us. And for those that we preach it to and proclaim it to. And if we truly love them, that we're going to want to tell them the truth. We want to point them to life. You know, as the old saying goes, if you saw somebody walking towards a cliff with blind with a blindfold on, do you let them just walk off or do you do everything you can to stop them? That's, I think, what we ought to be doing, even if they are get upset with us. The truth of the matter is there's only one gospel, brothers and sisters. Right? Again, we love everyone. Even the people who don't see things the way we want, we do. Even the people who have different, you know, uh, political opinions than us, and even people who don't believe the way that we do, we're going to love them. We're going to care about them. We're going to do everything we can to help them, and we're we're going to be friends, and we're going to still do we're do life together with them. But ultimately, we still need to tell them the truth of the gospel and not back down on that. We need to be very, very clear and concise about the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is one gospel. Right? And that gospel, that gospel is the only one that saves. So with that being said, my encouragement to you is to take heart, number one. If you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, if you believe the truth about that gospel and you and your hope rides, resides in him, then praise the Lord that you belong to God and part of his family. Praise the Lord for that, number one. Number two, if you have not moved to faith in Christ, I'd certainly love to hear about, about that and certainly like to talk to you about how you can have faith in Christ. But if you are in Christ, my encouragement to you is to go out into the world and start loving people and sharing the hope of Christ with them. And remember, our job is not to argue people into the kingdom. I mean, obviously we want to give answers where we can give answers. But our job is not to twist people's arms into the kingdom. Our job is to sow the seed, love the people, and pray that God changes their heart and then not give up on them. Right? And being confident in the fact that if you go out and do what God's calling you to do, you will bear fruit because God is the, the author and the agent of salvation. So my encouragement to you is to step out in faith today 
and begin to build those relationships so you can actually share the hope of Christ with your neighbors and your friends because Jesus Christ is our only hope. So with that being said, I hope that's encouraging to you. I want you to know from me, I think it's important that we continually come back to the centrality of this same message over and over and over and over again. And by the way, the two young men that I talked about that um, um, that I baptized eight years ago, uh, those two young men know the gospel. They know actually how to present the gospel. Now, they're at times shy about it when we practice it, but the fact of the matter is, is they've, they've been through it and walked through it, and I'm praying that God will use them in a mighty way to share the, the hope of Christ with other people as well. Uh, but that being said, I want you guys to know that uh, I'm here for you, I'm praying for you, and, uh, and I love you. And let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy. And I thank you, Lord God, for the truth of the gospel, the centrality of Jesus Christ in it. That, Father, that we affirm com- clearly and completely, Lord, that you are an uncreated creator, that you are the self-existing, unchanging God of the universe that there was nothing besides you for all eternity past, but then you created all other things. There is nothing outside of you. You're depending on nothing else. But Father, we realize that you created all things, including us, for relationship with you, and we affirm the truth that, Lord, that we were born in sin and willfully sinners, and that we all rebelled against you, but you, by your grace, sent your Son to pay the penalty of our sin and to secure for us a righteousness that we can have a relationship with you. And that, Father, that you have called us to have faith in you. And that, Lord, we affirm that. We believe, Lord. We have repented of our old life and we believe the gospel. And we believe with all of our hearts that you have redeemed us and saved us, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to work in our hearts, Lord, that way. And give us confirmation of our faith in you. That you would produce in us the the fruit of of repentance, Lord, and the fruit of our, our salvation, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use us, Lord, in your hand in a mighty way, a way that would bring glory to you and that would bring salvation to the lost and hope to the hopeless, Lord. We are surrounded by so many people who are broken and who are searching for, in, in so many different ways for hope and for, uh, for purpose and, for, and really just for, for life. And that all those things and all the greatest joy resides in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the ability to speak life into people, other people's lives, that we would be able to tell them the truth about who you are, and that we would be able to call them to faith and repentance, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd bring revival to our little community. You'd bring revival to our state, Lord God, that you'd bring revival to our country, that, Father, that our country would turn back to you, Lord God, and be a Christian nation once again, that we would turn from our sin, Lord, our collective sin, our national sin, and our individual sins, Lord, we turn to you in repentance, Lord, and that you would heal our lands, Lord. But we, Lord God, are asking most importantly, Lord, that you would be glorified and that your will would be done, your sovereign, perfect will. Father, it's you that we're trusting in and all of our hope is placed upon you. We thank you for that. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So with that being said, I want you all to know, again, that you were loved and you were prayed for uh, and want to invite you again uh, Sunday at 11 o'clock. We will have worship service here. We're starting the second part of our uh, new series titled First Timothy, the plan for the church and life. 
Um, and if you can get here early at 10.30, we're serving Black Rifle uh, coffee. And uh, my beautiful wife has got little treats and stuff like that for you. So you can come have breakfast with us, come hang out, spend some time uh, and worship together. Uh, it would be a blessing to, to have you all here. So uh, that being said, uh, again, you're loved and you're prayed for. Grace and peace. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. You've been listening to Grace and Truth with Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you consider partnering with us as we share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world?